Restaurant Unstoppable episode 705 with Crimsy Ramsey. When you're truly authentic, I don't really think it's something you can put words on. I think that people just know. I think like I know almost immediately when I meet someone if they can hear me or not. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. Don Professional, it does more than just save greasy oil slicking ducks. It also happens to be the number one dish detergent found in almost every commercial kitchen with long-lasting suds that clean 58% more dishes per sink. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease-fighting power of Don Professional Dishwashing Liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don Professional. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their website. During these uncertain times in the industry, Bento Box is supporting restaurants through online ordering and gift cards. And Restaurant Unstoppable listeners get 50% off their setup fee. Get started today by visiting getbento.com slash unstoppable. What up, Unstoppables? Wow, it's been a crazy uh, couple weeks, but Restaurant Unstoppable, uh, the core content, the content that you know so well is going to continue to chug along uh, as we get through um, this coronavirus. Uh, today, I'm I'm publishing my episode with Crimsy Ramsey, and it's crazy to think that um, I recorded this episode right when the first cases of coronavirus landed in Los Angeles. That was at the beginning of the month, and here we are almost a month later. Um and I think what's interesting about Crimsy's story is that what I love about her story is that she started where she could. And I think that's a really important message right now because a lot of us are going to have to start from scratch and we're going to have to start from where we can. So that's literally doing cookouts in your backyard. It's whatever, you know, and I want you to keep that in mind when you're rebuilding. Just start where you can stay focused, get to work. It will help. I think it will help you with your mental state, just kind of redirecting that energy uh, instead of focusing on what we don't have control over. Just get get to work. There's a lot of great resources uh, mentioned in uh, today's episode, including a lot of past guests like David Scott, Scott Peters and um, restaurantowner.com. Um, so uh, just pay attention to what Crimsy had to say. And I think it will really help you guys in trying to create your new vision and just uh, realizing that you can start right now where you can. And with that said, here is today's episode. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Crimsy Ramsey. Crimsy, are you feeling unstoppable today? Super unstoppable. Yes. I cannot wait to get into today's 
into today's conversation, Chef Crimsey Ramsey graduated with a bachelor's in petroleum engineering from Louisiana State University. Crimsey also has an MBA from Texas A&M Corpus. After five years as a petroleum engineer, Crimsey had the extreme awakening and decided to change her life into one of positive activism through opening a restaurant. In 2017, Crimsey's Cajun Kitchen in North Hollywood, California, the world's first 100% Cajun restaurant was born. Today, they're about to go into their second location with the mission to spread good voodoo for themselves, our earth, and our planet's inhabitants. I cannot wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Okay, my mantra's a little dark, but uh, I like to remind myself that I'm going to die every single day. Why? <laughs> it's uh, It's got a positive flip side. So when I remember that I'm going to die, nothing is really that scary. Okay. Yeah, and I think it makes you live every day to the fullest, too, does it not? For sure. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, am I going to do this after I'm dead or before? Yeah, I love it. Does that have anything to do with your spider tattoo? Does uh, it remind you? I mean, sort of. I just, everyone's <laughs> always like, why'd you get that tattoo? And I'm like, well, I thought it was really cool. It is pretty cool. And that's sort of the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. Yeah, yeah, my parents were thrilled. Yeah. That's the end of the story. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to sign off now. Uh, so <laughs> take us to where it makes sense to start telling your story. I mean, you, you went to school for something totally outside of the hospitality realm. Um, take us to that point. Let's learn about what got you to opening your own restaurant. Sure. Okay. And before I do that, I don't know how important this is, but I heard you say the first 100% Cajun restaurant which isn't true. It's the first 100% Cajun vegan. Vegan. I probably did say it wrong. So it's, thank you for correcting. Yeah. Me. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, what do I do with this information? Like interrupt? Or, no, please um, do. Thank you for okay. interrupting. So the question was, how did I get here? Why did I leave? How did you get uh, to this whole situation? The tickets, I like to kind mm, of where to paint start. a picture of like where my guests, you know, have, who their mentors were, how your previous life influenced who you are today. Maybe lessons sure. you learned through Okay. Being a petroleum engineer, who knows? A lot of systems, processes, I'm sure, right. kind of influence Yeah, so this you. is open-ended. Y- yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me not chew ice in the mic. <laughs> um, I think all this was born when I first went vegan. I was living in Louisiana, okay. and I had this silly idea like, ooh, Cajun vegan restaurant. No one's doing that. That'd be cool, but that would never work. Uh, fast forward 10 years later, I'm doing it, it's working, and I'm like, holy crap, it's working! Nice. Like, who do, you know? Nice. Um, but as far as like the transition from my old life to this life, um, I wasn't unhappy. I'll start there. Okay. I was just sort of like doing the things I was supposed to be doing. I was working a job that was great. I was having like a good bit of fun with it, but the bigger meaning was sort of missing for me. I worked for an oil company, and it's that's totally not aligned with who I am. It's just sort of what I fell into as I was growing up. Um, So once I realized that that was going on without me realizing it, I decided to change it and wanted to be more involved in things that I actually cared about. Okay. So specifically around, I'm assuming the things you care about, um, activism around veganism. So so dive into what specifically was like jabbing you in the edge or the (laughs) side, you know, what, what did you care about? Yeah. Well, so I think activism takes a lot of different forms depending on like what you're being an activist for. Uh, For veganism in particular, there's lots of different ways that people like to do it. Some people are more like in your face, like here's what's going on behind the scenes. Everyone should know. Um, Then there's people more like me who like uh, would rather create a just an environment where it's 
like open and accepting, like come see the fun side of veganism and then you can learn about the nastiness and factory farms. I will later. point out that you are welcoming and accepting because I'm wearing my pro pig hat right now and you guys haven't yelled at me or kicked me. I'm out assuming yet. that you just love pigs. I do love hugging pigs. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. That's what I um, thought. Yeah. <laughs> I ignored the knives. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> so uh thank you for being welcoming to us outsiders. Uh so going back a little bit, um, this idea of paint the picture of where you were in 2007. Like you were still in school, were you not? Because you were you did the petroleum thing for five years. So I'm assuming that was around 2008. Or I graduated college in 2010. 2010. Okay. Yeah, and I did about a year and a half of like field work. Okay. Um, so I was like, you know, on the job sites and the oil fields, on the rigs, like you know, playing around doing silly stuff, but also learning a lot. And then I had a few years in the office where I was like managing projects and. Um, my career took a little bit of a turn towards project management and like facility engineering as opposed to petroleum and geology. Okay. But you know, I'm down for the ride. So I'm like, this sounds fun. Well, there's some nuggets here. I feel like you <laughs> must have been set up for success because of this experience. You said project management. For sure. Like, I'm thinking systems, organization. What were the biggest lessons that you think set you up for success in your previous life leading into this? Oh, um, one of the biggest things, especially in the beginning and as we're rolling into opening our second restaurant is just understanding how to set up a project in general and then like schedule and budget stick to it okay um and doing more front-end loading work um that's a buzzword that we used to use at, at the old spot but um front-end loading so meaning like getting as many quotes as you can not just saying like oh i think kitchen equipment is going to cost x amount you get as many quotes as you can you try to get as close as you can but then you put an accuracy range on that front-end loading so at some point like when i first create um the first budget for opening a store i assume that there's a margin of error of up to 50 percent on the high end mm -hmm. and probably more like 20 percent on the low end and as we go through the project we hone down and we're like oh okay now we see more we have a, a lower range of uncertainty and we we know more what we're getting into yeah that was the biggest takeaway okay um so you said you know Understanding how to start a project, the first thing front end loading, uh, front front end front end loading. Wow, that's kind of hard to <laughs> say. Yeah, <laughs> and then what else do you need to know to to pull off a project? Because opening a restaurant is like a friggin' project. What else did yeah. you learn about how to start a project? Um, well. Of course, your team is going to be one of the most important things yeah. there is, and like finding the right people. I think over time. Well, in the beginning, I was doing a lot of stuff myself. Now I'm more open to outsourcing okay. because we have a little more money now. It's not so we're not yep. shoestringing it as yep. much. Um, but I still try not to be wasteful with it because there's a lot of stuff I can do and like doing myself. But um, so these days, I'm more likely to outsource, give it to someone who actually knows what they're doing, and then yes. they save me time yes. later. I think there's a level of like. Uh, maybe it's just like pride that some people have that they think that if they outsource something it means that they can't do it no i don't know why do you do you agree with that that that's kind of like a i don't know like a it's a thing yeah like it, it was a little bit it. hard at first so when we when we first opened the restaurant um for the first week or so we were so slow that i was just like oh i'll work it myself like i'll do the cash register i'll cook you know so i would like take someone's order run yeah. to the back and be like okay crap what am i doing like yeah. gotta figure it out and then by the time I was ready to relinquish some of that, because that's not reasonable, you can't run a business that way, mm -hmm. um, I found that the person I put in charge of it was like better than me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. So all I need to do now is focus on finding people to do these things better than me, replace myself, and then I do other stuff. Okay. So the big things I've taken about 
a project is the front end loading. Yes. Um, the, I said it way better that yeah. time. Whew. Uh, and uh, delegating basically yeah. is what I'm getting from anything else that we can pull or should we pull back a layer in one of those things? Um, pull from engineering in general or like project yeah. management? Yeah. Because um, you're doing a great job and you had no restaurant experience before yeah. this. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah, pretty much no restaurant experience. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I worked in restaurants in college, but like not any important jobs. I was like that that chick who like came in after school and like did her work and was like, bye. Okay. <laughs> not like trying to figure you out. You weren't the paying P&L. attention or anything. Yeah, like no, that. Yeah. no, no, not at all. I'll, I'll slice the tomatoes, sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, in talking about budgets, I think scheduling is just as important. It feeds into the budget, yeah. so you got to know how long stuff's going to take. So yeah. you hear all these horror stories about restaurants opening and oh it takes an extra three months or six months and in the grand scheme of things it's not that big of a deal but if you have a budget and you're short on on capital you don't have unlimited funds then that three months or six months can put you out of business you Mm -hmm. close your doors before you ever open them absolutely um when when you're doing this front end loading or front end loading uh how do you, what's that communication look like with all these different people that you're talking to about potentially doing a business? How do you manage those relationships? And is it kind of, can it get a little weird when you have like 10 open conversations going to get the same job? Do people kind of get, do you see people starting to lower their price? Like, is there other, other benefits to that? I'm just really curious. Oh, you mean like quoting? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the major benefits is of doing the work ahead is sort of vetting who actually knows what they're doing. So when I'm talking to a contractor, I already have my plans. Um, I might not know exactly all of the final details, but that's a qu- that's an opportunity for me to be like, what would you do here? Or okay. what would you do there? And okay. then based on their answer, I can go, okay, they know what they're talking about. Or okay. I go, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> give us, this is good. Give us some more details on how to vet somebody for a job. Um, okay, so uh, a small example would be, um, let's say I'm putting up a new wall in front of house in a new restaurant, and I'm like, here's my plans. Like I'm thinking about a half wall. What do you think that'll do? Like, will that be good for the sound in here? And really the answer I'm looking for is nothing super specific, but I do want them to take into account that like, Oh, well, what kind of ceiling do we have? Mm-hmm. You know, is it like the acoustic ceiling so it's like You know the answer and you're yeah. seeing if they're going to pick up on it. You're putting it. Well, through the f- exactly. I know yeah. my answer, but yeah. I want to see either. Do they give me my answer? Or do they give me a better answer? Okay. If they give me anything less than I'm like, yeah, yeah. This, this isn't going to work. Okay. Out. I dig that. Yeah. So when you have, um, uh, is, it, does it get weird when you have multiple like <laughs> relationships open like that? Did you, have you ever pissed anybody no. off? No. Oh, you know, one time there was this awkward moment though okay. where I had two people coming in for uh, an electrical quote and oh. they like showed up at the same time oh. and it's like, that's not really like good manners. It just, it it wasn't, well, th- I couldn't have avoided it. But, it but I mean, awkward. I think it's smart to get quotes to, cause you, to pull the, the mean or the, the mode or the, the median yeah. or whatever, the average, right? To get an idea of like what it's really going to take. Yeah. I think that's super smart, but I just wonder sometimes if the, when, when you're managing multiple relationships for the same job, like how that can go. Um, I don't, it's never really been a problem okay. for me, I'm, I'm, but also I'm a very organized person. So like I'm organized yeah. with correspondence, I'm organized with like who I'm meeting with, except okay. for the oopsie daisies every once in a while where someone shows up yeah. early and yeah. makes it awk for everyone. I feel you. Know? you. Yeah. So basically what I feel like at this point in your life, um, you were, you're making good money. I'm assuming as an engineer, you were you weren't unhappy, but maybe no. you weren't fulfilled. Is that kind of what was going on? Yeah. So why weren't you fulfilled? What was the void? Um, still not sure, <laughs> but I think like the there's no real point to life, right? So we just yeah. have to like do things that we want to do. And I found myself in a place where 
I was doing a pretty cool job, but like, why? Yeah, you know? I can't help but like, I, I probably beat the shit out of Maslow's hierarchy needs yeah. way too much. But self-actualization, uh, we need, it's not enough to have a paycheck. Right. You need that definite purpose in life. You need to feel like you're giving back. You need to feel like you're being seen. Are yeah. you seen as an engineer? Now? Were you then? Uh, I think so. Were you? Yeah, so I mean, that it, wasn't it. it was, sometimes it was a little weird because I was like a very young female in a, predominantly male industry especially in petroleum it's they're like even more male dominated um, so why was that weird what made it weird uh just like it, when i was out in the field like oh you're the intern and i'm like oh. no <laughs> um uh, but that's okay i understand yeah. um the other part that sometimes made it weird was that the, they didn't know how to behave around me yeah. it was like oh there's a, there's a girl in the room like everyone you know sit up straight and button yeah. up and um and I was more like, uh, I don't stop acting weird. I around forget me. that I'm not <laughs> yeah. a man. <laughs> yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I can see how that might be a little deterring. Yeah. Um, anything else that's worth bringing to the surface uh, on the earlier days uh, before opening, or like really living intentionally to start on this new path? Um, maybe so. Not so much about work, but I think in general, up until my mid late twenties, I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing. Like I'm from the south, so yeah. going through the know, motions. I dated my high school boyfriend. I married him when I was nineteen. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, we were together until basically right before I quit my job. Okay. So there was a lot going on for me at this Damn. time where I think when we separated, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can do anything I want. Right. Oh my god. That's yeah. how I felt when I left aviation. Yeah. <laughs> you just realize that like whatever you thought you had to do you don't actually have to do that's really it's a huge lesson so yeah. when you discovered this actually i'm gonna i'm gonna sit on this question i'll sure. ask it when we come back we're gonna take our first question or we're gonna take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back this episode is brought to you by bento box bento box empowers restaurants to own their presence profits and relationships directly through their websites and that last bit their relationships is especially important right now as we're being forced to be away from our guests there's not much a restaurant can own during these difficult times but they can own their online presence and bento box can help Restaurants are currently having to make significant changes to their operations and BentaBox is setting up gift card processing in online ordering stores in as little as four days to support restaurants during this challenging time. Look, you have a lot to manage right now. And with Bento Box, you get full service support, integration, and analytics anytime you need it. One less thing to worry about. With Bento Box, you can drive revenue and keep your guests up to date. Restaurant Unstoppable listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash unstoppable. So the question I had for you is when you realize that like the sky's the limit, you can do anything you want, how did you start living intentionally? What was the first <laughs> thing you did? Uh, first thing I did was got rid of all my stuff. Okay. Because uh, I didn't really want the stuff. You're making me like sing on the inside right now. <laughs> um, why is I, th I think that's so important when opening a restaurant. I think we, we we have all this stuff and all those things are liabilities. It costs money to keep these stuff the yeah. stuff someplace, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what what was dive into why you want to get rid of all this stuff? Get into the detail there and how that served um, you. Yeah, I guess, well, I just started looking around in my life and I was like, what do I like about my life and what do I not like about my life? And even down to like the physical objects in my house. Like, do I like this bed? Does not it spark really. joy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, who's that? Marie? Uh, she's Japanese, I think. Marie right? Kondo? Or, Kondo? I know she's at least Asian. 
She's read her book. Yeah, it's like the organization person. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't read the book, but you know, I, I live by those principles, <laughs> yeah. I assume, yeah. Uh, roughly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just, I want to get rid of all my stuff and like just go wherever I wanted and um, start over sort of-ish. Okay, so like, when you got rid of all of your stuff, like get, paint that picture of like what you had to your name. Uh, well, I had a two-door Dodge Challenger. Um, I was living in Texas, you know, oil, <laughs> such a oil country. <laughs> yeah, it's so Texas. I don't have it anymore. Actually, okay. I don't have a car at all anymore. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I packed what I could in my Dodge Challenger, which was basically like it's my not, clothes and yeah. toothbrush and a lamp. Yeah, it's like toiletries. Yeah, yeah. more or less. <laughs> and then I, I was like, I think I want to go to LA because I wanted to be involved in the vegan movement somehow. Mm -hmm. And I figured I should pick a vegan hotspot to start, just sort of like figure out what to do. So this point in your life, you're like, you're like I'm going to make this restaurant happen. I, yeah, like pretty much. Before you made the move to LA, like, you're, yeah. was it intentional that you were going to open this restaurant at that point? Or was it just kind of like lingering in the back of your mind? Yeah. It, mm, tough question to answer because I did want to make it happen. But also I, I, since, well, pretty much my whole life, never really had a good plan. I'm just like, I think this is what I want. I'm going to start doing little things to head that direction and see if it works out. Okay. So I was like, first step to opening a restaurant in LA is getting to LA. Well, one of the questions I, I was really curious about was why LA? Yeah. Um, well, the vegan thing helps a lot. So what I wanted to avoid was opening a vegan restaurant somewhere where there aren't a lot of vegans and having it fail and not really knowing truly why. Yeah. And like, I think that I was wondering if that was intentional. Like, yeah. you got to go to where your market is. Mm -hmm. And if you're passionate about something, are you passionate enough to pick up your entire life, stuff it into a two-door Dodge Challenger and go to where you're going to be successful? Is it a yes, Challenger? I Did I get it right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, that's a good filter. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, are you willing to move your whole life to go to the place? that will support the thing you want to do. Yeah. And I wasn't I was wondering if that was like part of like the strategy in the back of your mind. Sort of. Um you make it sound a little more like professional. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's a big thing. Maybe it was by accident, but I think it's really important that we're being mindful of that. And I think yeah. LA at this time, going back uh, to 2015, was probably the best place that where your target market existed. Yeah. Right? Well, there were a few. So I looked at like LA, San Diego, San Francisco, Portland. But the reason I wound up in LA specifically is because my sister was I already I was curious here. who came yeah. first. Okay. She she was doing music here. She's still doing music. And if, if, uh, if you look at the, the third angle we got right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see <laughs> Jess sitting in the corner. She's <laughs> yeah, this is my sister Jess. She's great. Yeah. Well, can we do a little tangent about Jess? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Jess is a she's an artist, and um, I keep dragging her in to like help me with stuff. Um, she works for me full time now. Nice. I, she works with me. I don't tell her what to do, um, but she handles like all of our marketing, design, like anything printed. If you see a flyer, she did it. Nice. Um, yeah, it's been spectacular. I never thought in a thousand years I'd get to do this with my sister. So that's another really big point that you that you bring up. You have support here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you're going to need support when you're yeah. opening a restaurant. Yeah, I was like, I need to know one person at least. Exactly. <laughs> so I think when we left off, um, we were talking about... Uh, the, the importance of going to where your target market is. Are you yes. willing to pick up and, and open the thing that you want to do where it's going to be most supported? You had your, your sister, you had family. What else brought you to LA? What were the, the, the variables? Oh man, like the beach? I don't know. That's to me, good like, enough of a variable. You know, LA is magical for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. Um, for me, it was less, it was always less about like the things that are actually happening here and more about like, whoa, have you been to Venice Beach? Like, have you been to, there's I haven't like, yet. you know, I go snowboarding. So there's like snowboarding stuff nearby. Um, I'm not into Vegas, but if you wanted to go to Vegas, it's like a four hour drive, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's close. So yeah. there's like, it's just like this really cool hot spot. And, um, 
I like the people here. Nice. Like people are open-minded and you can do whatever you want, be whatever you want. No one really has anything to say about it. Yeah. So it's I'm going to, I'm going to preface this going uh, the next section of our conversation to what, what you did, what Crimsy did uh, to get her restaurant off the ground is what I would recommend everybody to, if they don't have a, massive access to cash flow or whatever yeah you know? take us through the process when you decided sure. when you're on board like i i want to make this vision of the first vegan cajun restaurant and i apologize if i missed that vegan part <laughs> in the intro uh what was your plan of action how were you going to execute this take us through your thought process yeah so um thought process is always step by step with like sort of a cloudy vision for a few steps ahead um if i get too far ahead i can't figure it out yeah. and you sort of get stuck like that's where I want to be mm -hmm. um, actually so when I first moved here I didn't know that it was gonna be a Cajun concept just like I want to do something um, that tastes really good create an environment that's like friendly and you know not to get too hippie but like a loving environment that's what I want I want people to come in and feel welcome um, so it doesn't have to necessarily be Cajun for that I started testing recipes and it turns out like what people were really interested in, they were like, oh, you do jambalaya? And I'm like, I mean, I can, is that what you want? <laughs> yeah. um, and sort of went about it that way. I was doing festivals and pop-ups and catering. And um, at some point I was like, I think I'm ready to open a restaurant. So I started looking for secondhand spaces just because I'd, I'd done my research, heard about the nightmares of like permitting and it's going to cost a hundred percent more Tap than you the think. Breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Tap the brakes. We got to dive into some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, why don't get too far ahead? In general? Yeah. Um, I think because if you get too far ahead, then you can't really pivot effectively to make something that works. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that it's really important when you're small too to be able to, to pivot. Like, mm -hmm. in you're you're in the process of collecting data and yeah. information. You're, you're you're feeding these people that are across from you. They're, they're giving you feedback. They're telling you what you want. Right. And if you get too invested, too far ahead, you can't adjust to give the people what they're asking for. Right. Right. So when you start with this open mind, right, you have a general direction. I call it like if you look at a, a compass, right, and you have you know half the compass you can go generally north, half the compass you're going generally south, right. Just head in a general direction yeah. and over time start honing in until you get that specific 359 degree direction you know exactly. what i'm saying but it leaves you gives you options right mm -hmm. uh, do you want to compound off of what i shared um, how that served you maybe It'd give sure. me an example of like by keeping it open how that ended up yeah. as a good thing well i mean the biggest example of keeping it open is just being open to the idea of a cajun vegan restaurant it sounds absurd like uh, right so i didn't think it would work but people kept asking for it and i was like cool let's try it out um and then over time there have been like smaller pivots because of like listening to people our menus changed like what um, give me an example so we actually initially didn't have po' boys, like when I first started cooking and stuff, but it was just something that people kept asking for. It's pretty kind of good. Like you think of like New Orleans yeah. cuisine, it's like one of the first, like maybe next to jambalaya. Yeah. It's like one of the next things you think of. Exactly. But yeah. I was like, it's a sandwich. Like why, yeah. you know, I grew up eating them. They're good, but like yeah. I don't get the hype. Yeah. Um, but then once I put them on the menu, I was like, oh, you know what? They're right. These are really good. <laughs> I just haven't had one in a while. Right. Um, so just listening to people all along the way um, regarding like even where we're going to open. Yeah. We're kind of in a weird spot. Like a lot of times people, they'll drive up here and be like, how did you pick this place? Well, that's, that's actually, I'm happy that you're bringing this because <laughs> LA, but you're not really in LA. You're yeah, in we're North in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. North Hollywood is maybe a 30 minute drive from the center of LA. That's Depending fair. on the time yeah, of day. Yeah, yeah. It could be between um, 15 minutes and two hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so why this neighborhood specifically? Uh, this neighborhood specifically because there were no vegan options really around here when we first opened. Now okay. they're sort of popping up, which yep. is great. Yep. Um, but 
also because there was there are markets nearby yeah. and we're sort of like a we're a destination between all these markets. Yeah, I've definitely seen this trend with with location selection. The hot spots aren't in like the, the heart of the cities anymore. They're no. on the cusp. Yeah. They're on the edge where you can get a better rate on location and and it's going to be if you can hang on for a year or two or three, mm-hmm. the the rate at which cities are growing and I hate to say the word gentrifying, but it's true like it, if you can get in early enough, you can ride that wave, right? And become a part of the community as it's growing, as it's scaling. It's been great to be a part of the community. Like yeah. we got, so I was in here the other day and someone um, was just walking by. We were setting up for the Mardi Gras party. Yep. And he was like, thank you for what you've done to this intersection. Like it's totally changed. You know, this is a, a great turnover and like, we're so happy nice. you're here. That and must I was be just so like, great to I was hear. like, oh, <laughs> oh God, happy Mardi Gras. It's amazing when you, yeah. when you make what you do about loving how it comes back to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so festivals and pop-ups, we got to, we got to, you know, hang out here for a while. Sure. I think this, because this, this specifically is what I'm talking about when I say like, this is the path to take. I think a lot of people for some reason are like food truck. I need to do a food oh, truck. Like people but, asked me about food truck and I was like, I, I looked into that. Of course. Yeah. Um, it's like just as difficult, not really much cheaper. And now you have a circus on wheels. Like, I, I think it's more, ex- wouldn't not be more expensive. I it, mean, it kind of, de- yeah, it depends. And yeah. then people don't know where you are all the time. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? I, you know, I've been That's doing an investment. F- yeah. And I've been doing festivals and pop-ups. I know what it's like to pack up food and put it away. Like I would like to just leave it in the walk-in. That'd be great. Yeah. So this is, I really want to pull the nuggets of knowledge out of your brain during this area. Like when you were getting started, the first event you did, take us to that first event or that first thing that, or, that you fed somebody with the intention of getting feedback. Take us to that point. Yeah. Um, okay, so the first event was really more of like a backyard party. Um, I had been doing food on Instagram, and I had so- the, I sort of got started by doing a food blog. Okay. Just like, here's some vegan recipes and stuff that I'm... <laughs> no, yeah. seriously. Yeah, and I was writing a cookbook at the time kind of simultaneously while I was doing these pop-ups and stuff. Um, and so I decided to just reach out to my internet community and be like, hey, and friends in real life. Um, but... And just see who wanted to try my food and like give me actual feedback. Like I handed out like paper and pens and was like, here's gumbo. What do you think? Like, what do you think about consistency, flavor? So like, where were you hosting these events? In my backyard. In your backyard. Well, my sister's backyard because I was like living on the floor. And what, what tools? Just Facebook? Just Facebook to get the uh, word out? Mostly Instagram. Instagram's always been the platform So for you me. were new to this community. You didn't yeah. have a lot of people that no. you could, you know, you, you, your network was not here. Network was small. But yeah. I met people like when I would do a pop-up and they'd love the food then I'd be like uh, cool let's connect and then a lot of those same people who really love the pop-ups were the ones who showed up to the first like taste testing yeah and that was so valuable um, so give us some advice on how to first pitch the pop-up you know and then how are you maintaining these relationships to, so that they keep on coming back and they follow you throughout your journey oh that second part I don't really know I think like general advice for like doing anything is just be clear about it and be honest about it um so when i was reaching out to these people like hey does anyone want to come test the food i wasn't like hey come to my fancy party where we're gonna wine and dine you i was more like hey like i think these things are good but i would really like to get your feedback yeah, who wants free food exactly yeah. um, were you so were, was it free or were you charging oh, of course yeah, yeah. Okay. no way i could charge for that yeah um so yeah i guess my, you're my just throwing a party helps <laughs> right and that i think that's like at the core of what oh hospitality gosh, you're right. is you're i just sort ha- of didn't think of it that you're way you're just throwing a party yeah and who doesn't love to throw a party and feed people that's why we're in this friggin' that that's the root of what we do. It's what we're doing right, right? now. Right? Yeah. yeah. And if you're not willing to do it for free, then it's not maybe the best. Re- 
That's we need point. to make money doing this because we need to pay people. We need yeah. help. But if you're not willing to do it for free, then don't do it. Um, you're making me sound a lot smarter than I actually well, was. I was just like doing stuff. <laughs> no, no. Like seriously, like Jess reached out to me maybe like a, a like six months ago or something, um, and I said when I'm in LA. Uh, but you know the. I actually broke my five-year rule to come here because I usually make it a five-year rule that you have to be in business for five years. But then I looked at your your path to get here, and I think that in today's market, what you did is the best way to do it. And I can't talk to somebody that opened a restaurant seven years ago because nobody was doing this seven years ago using a blog. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. a few people, but I think we can be t intentional about it and really use that as our break into the industry. Because when you start a blog, were you also collecting emails? Mm, no. But you're you're collecting a following though. Yeah, right? collecting a uh, yeah, more like a brand. it feels like collecting a community in a way. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people they forget about that part. Like that, yeah. this that business is really about relationships. Um, and you have to actually care. Yeah. And it shows if you do or if you don't. I love it. Um, so when you're take us like into this point of your life where you're going to these festivals and these pop ups. Um, first let's focus on festivals. Uh, how did you approach the festivals to even get welcomed into it? <laughs> Uh, well, the first like real festival I did was actually, I was kind of like out of my element. It was vegan street fair, which I don't know how many attendees they had last year, but this is like a 30,000 person kind of event. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, I just like had my friends help me. Like Jess was there, my roommates, a couple like friends fr that I just met in LA. And, uh, we started, we only served John Bly and cornbread basically. Okay. And, Cause that was our thing. And we're like, we're good at this. Let's Do see one how it thing really well though. Yeah. That's another lesson right there. Focus on one thing and, and hone it in. Right? Yeah. That's another, you made me sound so smart. I'm, you're making it easy. <laughs> Keep going. Really? I just didn't know how to cook. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so we did, uh, just John and we just like, you know, here we go all day long, you know, served like hundreds, maybe thousands of people. Um, so that was quite an intro to the event, but I think. The reason I did it and was able to do it is because I just decided I was going to do it and I signed up before I was ready mm. and was like, all right, well, I got three months now to figure out how to, to do, do an event. Yeah. Like, what do I need? How do yeah. I cook outside? So what did you learn in that time? Um, well, I learned a lot about like food safety and like uh, dealing with um, the health inspectors, yeah. like what do they want to see? So that was really useful, but also where did like, you go to learn this stuff? I think that's a, maybe ew. don't get into all the details, but give us some of your resources of health and safety. Yeah. Just maybe um, their website. I would say the website or just, you know, even just getting a food handler's card before you need it okay. is helpful. Um, it just sort of shows you like, here's what you're going to be into. Like checking yeah. temperatures these people, we, we, we label them as the enemy sometimes because no. they can put us out of business, but they want to help you. They, they want do. you to be successful. So treat them as your friends and exactly. reach out to them and get their advice. They'll tell you exactly what you need to do. They're not mean and scary. <laughs> yeah. Like unless you're not cooperating. Yeah. But we do, so we okay. like them. So any other advices? I mean, that was your first uh, festival. How many yeah. other festivals did you do during this um, time? Oh, I don't, probably too many to count since That's then. That's a good example um, of how much you have to hustle to get the job done. You do have to yeah. hustle a lot, and it is very hard work. It's like, you know, 15, 18-hour days sometimes. I, I prefer not to do them these days because, um, for me, that was sort of a step. We still do – the only festival we do these days is Vegan Street Fair just because okay. it's a big event. It's really close by in North Hollywood. It's your community. Um, yeah, it's, exactly. Yeah. It's our community. It's really well organized. Like I'm friends with the organizer. She's great, Jess. Um, so it feels like something that I'm already a part of. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a no-brainer every year. Okay. So – Shifting to these pop-ups, um, you started the pop-ups in your own backyard, which is, you know, yeah. don't need any permission to do that. I mean, no. you probably literally don't really need to pay attention to all those things that you were talking about as far as like oh, health. health and safety. Yeah. It's a party. No, I if mean, you treat like, it like a party. Just try not to get dog hair in it and stuff. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, take us kind of like 
you started with your backyard, but did you eventually go to like other people's restaurants or was it always just in your backyard? Mm, no, always just in my backyard. Sweet. I never, um, no, never really did anything in anyone else's space other than like pop-up events where they were having vendors. Okay. So, um, what, give me an example of one of those pop-up events. Mm, so I did like farmers markets. That's always a good start. Did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you? Definitely reach out to them. Nobody reaches out to me for anything in okay. the beginning. So like, <laughs> take us through that process. I don't wait. Jess, was this you reaching out to people? Jess is off camera right now. Say it again. <laughs> uh, now I do reach out to people. Yes, but not in the beginning. Grimsey was just sort of hitting people up. And I mean, you might got the occasional like wedding one adjudicator and stuff, you know, so like backyard <laughs> podcasting. <right> now. <laughs> so um what take us through that process when you like the email that you would you would draft the copy to like try what, to get into Yeah, stuff? like how would you approach people? What 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 wording and like verbiage would you use? Uh it's mostly like um hey, we're the world's first Cajun vegan concept. Uh here's our menu. We we do these other events and just sort of trying to build a resume like hey, you can trust me to come in and do a good job. But it takes a lot of work. It takes getting rejected a lot. It give takes me an doing example of how much do. work. Like, like, give me some like numbers to show how much work it is. Numbers. Ooh. Like, throw like, out some random um, ballpark numbers. How many um, emails you would send out? Well, just for like one category for farmers markets, I probably contacted like twenty different farmers markets. Um, half of which I would show up in person after an email and be like, "Hey, I have this thing. Um, I, you know, bring you samples or whatever." Uh, but. It's tough, man. Yeah. They want people want to see experience, so you just have to kind of take the lowest rung on the ladder and be like, "All right, I'm doing this so that I can put it on my resume." Essentially, yeah, you and know. it gets you practice, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I've so done the, <laughs> I've done some farmers markets where we had like uh, the stream of people coming through was so low that like I, know, I might have sold ten things. Yeah, but it's a thing that I did. Now yeah. I say I did a farmers market. So the only other two things I'm kind of really curious about around this world of farmers markets and pop ups um, are the tools you're using to kind of like create awareness about where you're going to be oh, yeah. were you using like eventbrite or anything like that or um no i stuck to instagram, stuck to instagram? Um, that seems to be like where the community was yeah um, it's where our people are and it's where they're looking so what was your process for creating awareness around a pop-up like what would you do on instagram uh on instagram i normally just try to let people know like what we're going to be serving where we're going to be kind of get interaction from people too like hey anyone live in noho were you doing stories or just posts or tv um, like what was at your the time i don't think so I think it, it, straight up posts. Yeah, straight up OG posts. Instagram. Back in the day, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was simpler back then. Yeah. Um, so the other, I think that kind of wraps up pop-ups, and is unless there's anything that you think that, I mean, anything you didn't think of or anything you didn't about like, pop-ups. Yeah, that you can kind of give somebody a heads up, like, oh, you should know about this before you do a pop-up. Mm. Anything like, have you ever been in a hot spot? Like, oh shit, I didn't even think about having to. Need, to, like bring silverware <laughs> like oh well, you know or something like that oh my gosh well if we're talking those details i have a super long list i should like publish the do you list, have a punch list? <laughs> yeah, if you do please share i'll have that to look me. and see if i can still find one but i'm sure i do okay yeah so there's definitely a punch list i would say that uh, a lot of times when i go to festivals a mistake i see people making is pricing their food way too low okay. especially in la like food is, is just not cheap i think yeah. a lot of people are disconnected from the true cost of food with, yes like, so especially so true <laughs> Like, it's an issue. Yeah, for sure. People don't understand uh, the cost of organic things. If you're using organic yeah. things, um, 
uh, we don't use meat and dairy or anything either, but like people aren't aware of the subsidies. They yeah. make that cheaper than it should be. Um, there's labor that goes into it. You know, there's lots of overhead. Um, so you can't short yourself. Even in the beginning, you got to price it what it costs. Yeah, I'm really happy you're bringing that to um, the surface because I think for a long time, um, we as an industry, people within the industry, were so reactive to the market and so reactive to our competitors and people around us. Like, well, what are they charging for a right. burger or a, a, a vegan burger or whatever? <laughs> so we just would constantly under shoot each other and then what we did is to stay in business we had to start getting cheaper and cheaper crappier shit right yeah and the thing is like we need to charge what food is worth because one we're we don't want to degrade the quality of the food we're putting out there to stay in business and two we need to we just need to give ourselves what we deserve to to, and what our employees deserve right? right so charge what the food is worth make it a percentage of what you invested to put that plate out yeah exactly i think that people cost is often just not considered like yeah. here um like we're not required to do it yet, yeah. but we're I'm I already have like a plan set up for health insurance for our full time people, um, and it should it feels good to charge what it should cost and yeah. then like give the money back to our employees. And it's really important that we collectively as an industry start educating exactly the public saying, listen, like you're a part of what we do. We need you to support us by paying us what this it costs to deliver the service to you, right? Yeah. And they if they love you like you love them because you that's part of what you're trying to do they, they will show up to support you right they will yeah. yeah and we try to be um transparent about what we're doing and also like highlight our employees because they're really like sure i'm sort of in charge of things it feels like sometimes yeah yeah <laughs> but they're the ones who are in here every day like interacting cooking the same foods like making sure it's consistent so like highlighting them and being like these are the people who are making your food i think it kind of like opens people eye- people's eyes yeah. to like oh there's more going on back there than i thought yeah absolutely when you can get a dollar burger from mcdonald's it's sometimes hard to understand like well why are your po boys more than a mcdonald's sandwich and that's our responsibility to educate people on yeah that. so like it's really important if you guys want to learn more about how to price your menu uh i'll link to an episode i did with david scott pierce on en- on menu engineering him. yes great. i work with him do you yeah he's awesome so uh david scott spears i'll link to that episode and menu engineering it's a really uh great episode around how to do that right um so from there Take us to where you were when you're like, okay, I think I got this dialed in. I think we're ready to open our first restaurant. Take us to that point and how you started living intentionally from there on. Hmm, okay. So it's time to open the first restaurant. Um, I started looking for spaces. Uh, in the beginning, I was open-minded about what kind of space. But after looking at lots of spaces, I'm like, well, for our budget, it's going to be a secondhand restaurant space. Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to keep it as cosmetic only as possible. So like, I don't want to move a wall. I don't want to touch electrical. I don't want to... Like we're not moving the toilet, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're painting. Yeah. Um, so I found this spot and because we're in the valley and it's sort of like an area that wasn't really trendy yet, um, the rent was cheaper and it was something we could afford. Mm-hmm. So I just tried to stick to the rule of like, what can you actually afford? Don't overdo yes. it. Yes. Because it, it's really tempting yes. to just go in that like, there's like the sexy part of town. Yeah. And, oh, I would be so busy if we were there. But um, we opened here in the armpit of the shopping center and we were just fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, if it's good, people will come. Yeah. So, um, do you mind sharing some numbers with us? Like what, how, what was sure. your rent back then? Um, like so a few years ago rent was, um, it was a base of about 32 50 or something like that, okay. which, you know, if you're in LA, you're like, Whoa, it's pretty good. You know, other places people are like, that's high, but yeah. um, here 3,200 is like unheard of. Yeah. It was about, um, nine between 900 square feet and a thousand square feet okay and how much tiny. money were you projecting you would need to get this thing off the ground uh, what was your I, budget? well so 
I'm I'm tough with one number, so I was looking at a range of uh, forty to fifty five thousand to get it open. Which is so low in LA. Yeah. Holy cow! It's low, um, but for me, it felt like oh, this is reasonable. Yeah. How many square feet was that? Thirty two hundred. Uh, it was. I think it was about like nine sixty or something like that. Nine sixty. Okay, and I cut yeah. you short. I apologize. Uh, you remember your train of thought? Uh, let's see. Where were we? Oh, uh, we were talking about um, the the cost being low of oh. the space. Yeah, I think that costs get inflated a lot of time for a lot of times for new restaurants because there's this big giant team of people that um, create something together, and so there's just a it's a, it's a heavier organization. Yeah, people are expensive. Yeah, and you know, looking back, um, I sort of wish that I would ha- have had somebody just because uh, being an entrepreneur can be lonely in and of itself. Yeah, it's but lonely then, at the top. <laughs> yeah, especially for a job like this where like everybody's looking to you. Um, something goes wrong, it's you they're calling. You know, it's you they're calling. Um, so having a partner would have been nice, but the benefit I got was we were very lean in the beginning. Yeah. You know? I think that's a really important thing to, to keep in mind. I think when, for some reason we, when we, when we dream up our restaurant, we have this vision mm-hmm. of what we want it to be. And we think that we need to go for that vision on day one. Mm-hmm. That's your 20 year vision. Yeah. Realistically, where can you start today? And like you, we started with pop-ups, right? And then right. from there you're like, what's the, the, the small, like the, the, the next baby step I can take to get a little bit closer yeah. to that ultimate, that ultimate vision. Right. Cause you don't want to set yourself up for, for failure. You want to keep your liabilities low. Yeah. And I think going back to what we said earlier, you started this, this journey with your job, with your Dodge of, uh, was it a Dodge Challenger? Challenger a Chally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, like the, the benefits of, of keeping your liabilities low yeah. make you, makes it so much easier to be successful in this industry. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I had a, I, before I quit my job, I had like a nest egg so that I wouldn't be stressed about money. Yeah. That's man. So step one, get rid of oh, everything yes. that you don't need. Get rid right? of everything, plan for it, yeah. save. Um, for most people, I'm like, don't quit your job while you're just doing pop-ups. Mm-hmm. That's like a weekend thing. Uh, sometimes you know, I, I try to like be helpful where I can. So if someone comes to me with questions, I always want to answer. Yeah. And sometimes people show me their plan and their plan is to quit their job tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you somehow find uh, $300,000 to open up a restaurant and then open it up. And yeah. I'm like, that's not a plan. That's, that's a disaster. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you got to enter a little more. You got to enter slowly if you aren't in this world already. Mm-hmm. So uh, you said 40 to 50, was it 40 to $55,000 is what you were thinking that was going to yeah. take. Um, and did you go over that budget? No, I wound up spending about thirty-five. Okay, wow. Which I know. Even now, I'm like, how did I don't know? We well, did a lot of stuff myself. Jess did a lot. We painted everything ourselves. I mean, you went into a turnkey situation. It was a pre-existing restaurant, right? Um, sort of. It was a uh, an Armenian deli, I think. Okay, is what it was. Or they had like. Um, I don't remember exactly. They sold like Russian meats or something. It was something okay. ironic. <laughs> so did they have the equipment that you needed to execute what sort you wanted of. to do? They had like uh, one of the most important things that I was looking for in a secondhand space was, is there a hood and the right type of hood? And, you know, are the floor drains where I need to be? Because I don't I'm not trying to like drill through the floor, install a grease trap and all that junk that you find out you need later. Um, so there was some equipment there. Most of the work we did was in front of house, just making it more of like an inviting dining experience instead of like white walls, white ceiling, white tile floors. You know, we warmed we warmed it up. Okay, so you, well, I keep on clicking on the wrong thing. I'm trying to take notes right now. Actually, this might be a good time to break and let the sirens go by. That does happen every now and then. <laughs> Welcome to LA. Um, so you just mentioned a few things that were um, really key. You're looking at a, like one or two or three details that would be a make or to break it uh, when looking at your space. Hood, 
Yeah. I think which is a big one that people overlook all the time. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe underlook. Yeah. It's just like, oh, it's cool. We'll just install a hood. Like, that's not how it works. Yeah. And drainage <laughs> yep. in electrical. Was that probably under um, Electrical, usually, no matter what the space is, um, when I was looking at spaces, usually the electrical was mostly fine. Okay. So, so I would say big things are like plumbing. So, so why was why drainage and hoods? Was it yeah. costs? Cost and permitting. Okay. So um, if you're installing a hood, it's a lot more than just like plugging a like. Well, plugging a hood into the ceiling like uh, you need some sort of duct through to the roof a lot of times you don't really know until you get in like what it's going to look like up there yeah so where did the $35,000 go to um, majority basically went to like the permits we did need um, like construction which ones? Uh, we, we just needed a health permit okay and we had like a, a minor construction permit, but nothing like people are used to seeing how much does the health permit in a construction permit cost oh good question that's there wasn't between like a thousand and two thousand dollars, I think okay. at the time. That sounds right. Okay. And the construction? Construction. We spent most of the money on just building out like a front of house kind of bar area. That okay. cost us about ten thousand dollars. Okay, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're eleven thousand right there. Yeah, I didn't want to cut corners on that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what about appliances? Uh, appliances. That was some of the money too. We needed like a po' boy table and okay. uh, all the basics. I think when we moved in, there was maybe an oven, but it was a piece of crap. So we ended up buying a new one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, um, when I was first looking and for the first space, I, it felt very important to me that it had equipment in it. I wanted a turnkey space, but now that I'm looking for a location number two, that was like opposite. I was like, yeah. I don't want anyone's old crappy equipment. I want my own equipment because we've just slowly replaced everything. Yeah. You know? Oh man, there's this resource. I'll try to remember to mention it uh, in the show notes. There's this new resource. It's kind of like Websterant store, but it's like all like lightly used. Not, or, no, I don't think it's Ooh, lightly I like used. That. I think it's 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 like not the latest model. Oh, that's brilliant. So like, yeah, it's, and it's an online. So yeah, I will link to that and I'll make sure to mention it in the closing thoughts. Cool. Uh, but back to your story <laughs> um talking about the um expenses uh how do i question this so i don't often draw blanks uh, but this is really good detail right here oh, this feels great right so thirty five hundred dollars um what okay here's a question yeah thousand dollars what did you figure out you needed to make uh, a day or a week to keep the doors open at, at, at this initial investment oh, of 35000 I was trying to make $1,000 a day. Okay. I was like, if I make $1,000 a day, I'm good. Okay. And how did you do? Not $1,000 a day. Okay. <laughs> we started start? out really slow. I think um, something I learned from that was that you actually have to tell people you're opening. Okay. I was so scared that I sort of just opened the doors and was like, we're open. I don't know if that's a bad approach, though. It, it helped in some ways. Yeah. Um, for the second location, I'm doing it the opposite. Like, here's when we're opening. Everyone come. It's going to be awesome. But because I was just sort of still, I was still in that trial mode. Like, mm -hmm. I want people to come in slowly. I don't want to drop the ball in the beginning. I yeah. want to see what people think about well, it. Well, I think the other variable, too, is like early on, like your first employee, like your first, I mean, yeah, the, the food's going to bring them back, but also your encounter with them, your engagement yeah. with them, right? Yeah. And if you have a line going out the door on day one, how impactful are those first touches exactly. going to be? Yeah. You know what I mean? So and when I you get people trickling in, exactly. Touches, yeah. And then they come back because you get to put that imprint on them, right? Yeah. And you get to work out your systems, your kinks. You think it's going to go one way when you're like testing stuff. It never goes that exactly. way. Exactly. Like never. Yeah. <laughs> so like when, when you F it up, yeah. um, but they're standing right across from you and there's nobody behind them in line, like you can you can write the end of the story. You can make it yeah. right. You know what I'm saying? But when, yeah. you, when you're trying to file through people uh, exactly do you, what anything else i'm talking too much this is your time um, to shine. <laughs> hi <laughs> um 
I think most people do this when they open a restaurant, but um, I think it's super important to do friends and family night, then like a soft opening and a hard opening. Okay. I think for, for us, the friends and family was where I learned so much. Like, oops, that's not going to work in real yeah. life. Yeah. And, but it's your friends and family. So they're like, good job. Yeah. You know? Wow, <laughs> so great in here. Yeah. Like everything's wrong. Right. Um, and then your soft opening, people are still forgiving, not quite as forgiving as your friends and family, yeah. but um, you're better. So it's okay. Yeah. So let's, let's zoom back up to 30,000 feet. I think we kind of got sure. really down into details there. Thank you so much for getting into those details. Of course. I had a feeling with being an engineer, you're going to be able to give us some really good details. <laughs> so, um, what, like reflecting back, I mean, this is still kind of new. You guys opened in 2000, February 28th, 2017. That's right. Yeah. Mardi Gras 2017. Yeah. So, what were like the hardest times during the, these early days? Like bringing us to like you, where you were emotionally, the yeah. biggest mistakes you made that you wish you kind of had foresight about, dive into it. Okay. Yeah. It, there was a time period where it was very hard. I would say the first couple of months we were open, I was doing everything. You know, I didn't understand what it meant to work a 20 hour day. Just, you cannot compute until you actually do it. And you know what it feels like. It's right. awful. Yeah. Um, so one mistake I made in the beginning was not, finding help, good help fast enough. I sort of like rolled into being stressed out like, oh crap, I need help. I need Whereas a I sh Yeah, <laughs> I should have done it before. Yeah. So that's, now I do that more. I'm like, oh, something's coming around the corner. We're gonna need more people. Let's get on it now. Yep. Um, but so we were slow for the first couple months. We weren't even hitting our thousand dollars a day. We were talking, I was talking like, um, I don't know, 15 people a day through the doors would be like, oh, we did it, you know? <laughs> um, and then, I started to get a little discouraged, like, oh, what am I supposed to be doing that I'm not doing? And sort of um, had a moment where I was like, oh, crap, this isn't going to work. Like, how, what's, I started thinking, like, what's my runway? How do you know, where can I put money to make this work? What do you or, mean my runway? Runway meaning, like, how much cash do I have in the bank? And assuming nothing changes, how long is this place going to be open before yeah. I'm like, whoops, Operating work. capital, basically. Yeah, you got to be aware of that. I think uh, runway for capital, just it just kills people so when you started getting a little antsy here um, yeah. how much runway did you have left um I, see i'm very conservative so i still had like eight months of runway okay i was like <laughs> oh no eight months like i only have eight months we just started rolling <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i started thinking more about what i could do to to fix the problem which is that people don't know about us and we're in the, you know like i mentioned the armpit of the shopping center so unless you're looking for us you don't know we're there okay but that turned out um, to work in our favor because it was kind of a hole in the wall feel and yeah. people want a hole in the wall, especially in LA where everything's so like Instagrammed and yeah. trendy. Yeah. Um, but about that same time there was, there's this organization called mercy for animals, which I love. And they just happened to sort of like hear about us from something and, uh, came in and did a video feature on us, which got a ton of views. I don't know. Like I want to say a million. Did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you? No, they were just like, we're doing a special on vegan restaurants in LA. And I was like, oh, great. Like, cool. Nice. You know? Uh, so they came in, filmed our food, released this video. And um, I, the next week we were just like, oh, we're in business now. This is great. So they had like a really pivotal role in helping us get off the ground. Nice. Um, did you learn something from that experience? Were, yeah. From that point where you, maybe we should seek these people out? These um, influencers? For sure. Yeah. I was like, oh, press and marketing is important. Branding yeah. is important. So um, take us through from that experience. Like what did you start to do to start to drive traffic into your restaurant? Uh, I started to be more involved in the stuff that I didn't want to touch before. To me, like the whole like, you know, I'm I don't so guilty <laughs> of being the person that doesn't want to touch that stuff. Yeah. I'm like the worst at like promoting my like. Same. I can totally like, resonate with that. I always have the attitude like, well, if people like it, they'll come. I need they'll a Jess in my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think that mentality of like, if, if it's good, people will come. It works, but you yeah. got to be real patient. And yeah. in the meantime, like you're running out of runway, whatever. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I started working more with like partnerships and, and just linking up with people and being like, how can we help each other? Cause that's really what it's all about. I love it. Um, so how do you, collaboration is huge. Yeah. Um, so take us through that, that collaborative process. When you see somebody who has something has is worth linking yourself to, yeah. how do you approach them? Um, I'm just like, Hey, what, what you're doing is really cool. And like, I'm doing some stuff too. We should like grab coffee. Okay. A lot of times I don't really have a goal in mind. It's just like, if I meet someone that's doing something that I respect or admire, I just like, would, I just want to sit down with them. I don't give like, me a specific example of somebody that you're like, okay, this person's doing it right. And like, how um, did that, how did that relationship, that collaboration evolve? Okay. Um, well, it's always like by chance. Okay. Um, but I mean, there's so many examples. I'll use the most recent one. Okay. So there's uh, someone named Jeanette. Uh, she's a, like a marketing PR person in the vegan food world. And I was at this burger place, Monty's. Maybe you've heard of it. No? No, actually. Oh, I okay. All right. Well, you, sh- you should check it out. It's cool. Okay. Hey, maybe we can link you up with them. All right. That'd be They're awesome. They're doing cool things. Please. Um, so I was, I was in the area. I'm like, oh, Monty's cool. I'm going to try it out. Jeanette was sitting outside with uh, Chef Roy from a vegan restaurant in San Diego. Okay. I was like, oh, cool. I know them. So I just, from like the internet, Yeah. went to chat with them. Uh, obviously, no intentions. Just like, cool. These people are doing cool stuff. Um, were they uh, like at where you were as far as like getting started or maybe a little bit like uh, uh, opening Monty's- a little bit longer, a little more? foundation established Monty's definitely has more of a foundation I think they've actually been in business shorter than us but they have like a good team behind them from the you know several people that have been in the industry they hit the ground running so I would say that in terms of like what they've done they've done more okay yeah. so keep going keep going um so wound up just chatting with Jeanette and she's like oh here's what I do and I'm like oh great I love what you do let's chat more chatted more she's now like a part of our team on our marketing and PR side She's great. So it's just like, you never know when you're going to wind up working with someone. I even, you know, if you go into it, not having a goal and just being genuinely interested in what other people are doing, and, yes. uh, it's it's hard to fake. Make it about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? You and if, you, if you approach somebody authentically, somebody that you admire and you just praise what they've done yeah. in a real, not in like a, I'm just trying to pull a fast one on you. I want you to think that you're this thing. So you are willing to help me. But if you generally show your admiration for somebody, yeah. it's amazing how much that relationship will develop and grow. And um, I think a lot of people too are like afraid to, to shoot for a, a operation that's slightly more su- successful or uh, along their path. Yeah. Right. Because like, who am I to like try to attach myself to them? But you'd be amazed. Like maybe they want, yeah. It's lonely at the top. Maybe they want it's somebody to geek out with. You know yeah, what I mean? I people actually. I think people assume that I get approached a lot, or that like people bother me about restaurant questions. I yeah. actually don't get that many people contacting me, being like, you know, what did you do about this, or like, do you have any advice on that? It's, it's pretty rare, right? Yeah. Well, I just literally just had this conversation with Mario Del Perro yesterday from Mendocino's Farm. <gasps> oh my god, I love him. No, no, He's amazing. <laughs> when you first said like, have you ever reached out to anybody? I, th- he was the first person that came to mind, but we actually haven't met up yet. Oh, really? So I can't use him as an example, but I met him at a conference and was like, I love what you do. I'm a super fan. He's like, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's awesome. But like even in the early days when they were getting started in 2005, you you look at the people that he was talking to and collaborating with and working with and 
uh, sweet greens, tender greens, mm-hmm. chopped. And these are restaurants all around the nation that he was reaching out to to talk with. What are you doing? What are we? And now they're at the top. But the point is, these these companies rose together. Yeah. And the reason why they rise together is because they they share knowledge and they work with each other and they collaborate. Yeah. And you don't have to reach for those people now, but who are the people who are where you are, who you admire, who are doing it right, and climb together like think about that if you're listening to this right now who are those people yeah find people yeah like reach out to them and then help each other out i I can't overestimate or over deliver the the the, the importance of that yeah and it's not competition no sometimes people are like oh there's a vegan restaurant open around the corner what are you gonna do i'm like uh go be friends with them yeah (laughs) we're on the same mission It's, it's super chill i love it um so Anything else that we that during that those first few months that were super important? Um to our success. Yeah. Or like things that you just did not think about that you wish you had that you can kind of give our listeners a warning of. I think I didn't put enough emphasis on the guest experience at first. I just was mostly focused on, you know, how do they pay for their food? Where are they going to sit? Um, how's the food going to be made and how do we put it on the plate? But I think one of the most important parts about running a successful restaurant is controlling the atmosphere of the restaurant. Like it's not just what did they order? How did they pay? It's what do we say to them when they walk in the door? Like, do we care about them? Um, when they're ordering, can we answer their questions? Is the music right? Is the temperature right? It's actually a little cold in here right now for me. but So I'm thinking I think about perfect. that now. <laughs> I know. I'm always cold. So I'm one of those people. Yeah, you're from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like like hot, humid, <laughs> disgusting. This is nice. <laughs> but yeah, just um, putting more emphasis on the guest experience. Over time, we've pivoted and evolved into what we are. But in the beginning, it was very like, here's your food. So take us through that evolution. Like, <laughs> what were the key things that you started doing differently that you think has had the biggest impact? I think training people. At what? first, uh, it was just like, cool, you're here. You, here's what you do. Dude, figure it out. Like, do your job, please. Yeah. All right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't have the experience. Yeah. I was like, I need help from other people. Mm-hmm. So now that I've gained the experience, we can write specific training manuals with, you know, check boxes all along the way. It's so incredibly important. And it also sets your employees up to feel like they can actually do their job well and they know what they're supposed yes. to be doing. Yes. Why is that important? Because if they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, they're just going to do what they think they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And, and often the d- doesn't align. Exactly. <laughs> they're just going to be sitting like, anxious, like, did I do that yeah. right? Yeah. People need the picture of perfection to know that they're doing the job done right. Yes. And like when and when they hit that mark, they go, nailed it. Yeah. You know, and they need that that that, that jolt of like, oh, God, yeah. right? Um, so where did you go to learn about these things? About... Systems, processes, uh, training. Oh, um, in the very beginning for basic stuff, there's this, uh, there, it's called Score LA. It's mm-hmm. like for small businesses, yep. you can pay like 40 bucks to go to a class. And I went to a few on all different topics. One of the most impactful for me was like Restaurant 101. Okay. Um, and I went to the class twice. Uh, so I started there and just absorbed as much as I could. But then I, I got a subscription to places like restaurantowner.com. Yes, Gym Lab, great yeah, dude. Yeah, it's great. Especially if you like have no idea where to start. It's just yeah. like, well, what does a training manual look like for someone else? And that was really helpful. And it's it, it costs money, but like nothing like it, it's so minimal. You know, you pay a few dollars a month and you have access to all of this great data. Yeah, I, I recommend everybody that's listening to this right now, I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash whatever episode number this is. And I'll put a link. If you use my link, this is a little plug, but it helps the show. I need all the help I can get. Use yeah. that link because Jim will give me a little something, a little slice of whatever that 
that revenue yeah. is that goes Everyone to Hamlet the restaurant the stuff. Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Help me, I'm poor. Yeah. That's a quote. It's not you. Right? Um, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? Oh, we're talking oh, about the tools and resources you're using. Yeah. Oh, another thing that we've done that is Wait, before really you go further, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to give, give the listeners an idea. So when you go to restaurantowner.com, basically it's like you can go and try to build all these things from scratch on your own, or you can get the templates for, I think it's like $20 a month. It's something that's like totally almost too affordable. Cheap. Yeah. yeah. Get the templates and plug them into your restaurant. So it has all the framework you need to get started. I just want to make sure I emphasize the importance of this resource. It's so valuable. Cool. Pick it up where you're going to lift off. Sorry. Sorry. Um, where were we? Training, training. Oh, um, something else that I'm getting better, even like right now I'm working on is uh, back to training for employees, but also um, creating guidelines on like, here's what you get paid and why. And if you'd like to go higher, yes. here's a specific example of what that looks like. Yes. So like why broken so down important? by category, um, this, we call it like the crew pay matrix. Yeah. And it's just like for, you know, in the category of cleanliness, here's how a one rates, here's how a five rates, you're a three, and here's why you're a three. Mm. Um, because when you tell people exactly where they are and why they're there, they have the opportunity to improve if they want. Yeah. Not everybody does. And like, you know, cool. But it gives them something to like reflect on. Like, okay, yeah. where am I com compared to where I need to be? Right. And it gives them aiming points, right? Exactly. And it, it eliminates that whole awkward, like, hey, I'd like a raise. Yeah. I've been here for two years. Yeah, we don't really have those conversations as yeah. much because you kind of go into your review. We, well, another thing, we do quarterly feedback sessions, Yeah, which is sort of on, not really, I don't hear a lot of like peers doing that, but it's something that um, came from my experience in the engineering world. Yeah. Getting that sort of feedback on some regular basis helps you like align yourself with where you actually are not like, oh, I'm doing such a great job yeah. or... Sometimes people come in the reviews thinking they're doing terrible and we're like, no, you're, you're like top of the pack. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry you didn't know sooner. Yeah. But that's where we just align once a quarter mm -hmm. to make sure we're all on the same page. So at, were all these things coming uh, or happening before? Because we're kind of add a little more context. Um, I think we probably should have mentioned this earlier. We, we're, this is your second location now. You used to be in the armpit. Yeah. Now you're at the forehead yeah. of the shopping mall. Exactly. Um, so... Uh, that that took six months, and we yeah. we mentioned earlier in the interview that after a couple of months, you weren't even breaking a thousand dollars a day. So, just to put the emphasis on this collaboration again, right? So you went from being able to out grow your space in four months, yeah, because you started getting collaborative. So did was all this stuff happening, all this training in these systems and processes? Oh no, was that that happened in this, in this location? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For like the first year, I would say because like I had minimal experience and the crew we were hiring was sort of, um, in the beginning, the crew you hire is the crew that you have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's sort of like vague. Friends but, and family. Um, yeah, yeah. And like no one really knew what they were yeah. doing. So yeah. um, it took us a while to figure things out. And it was, but it was also very bonding. Like um, Shanae, our kitchen lead, is she's been with us almost three years now, three years next month. And uh, she's one of our first employees and, like, also one of our most special employees. I nice. mean, everybody's special, yeah. but um, she truly cares about this place. She's seen us go from, like, what I would describe as a hot mess into, like, a functioning uh, company that's yeah. doing good for the It's world. not her baby, but she's, like, definitely the aunt. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, we were joking this morning. We were taking some photos of her holding food, and she holds it like it's her baby. <laughs> like, looking at it, like, oh, yeah. Mississippi mud cake. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, so we're over an hour of recording already. Really? Isn't that crazy how That's fast crazy. it goes? Uh, anything that you were hoping we would discuss? Any big lessons um, over the past? Because 
we haven't really dove into the, the scaling from here on. Like what, what like what do you need to share with our audience? Like what what goal do you have to share hmm. with us? What goal? Um so upcoming goals uh we're it's like gold, but goals work. Oh too. gold. I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'll share my goals, sure. Yeah. Um gold. Um stay flexible and accept some level of suffering. Okay. What do you Again, mean by that? Again, that's the dark side of me. Stay flexible. What um, do you mean by that? Stay flexible meaning like if something isn't working, stop beating it in the head with a hammer. Just think about why it's not working and uh, you know, okay, so good example. We don't have a phone here anymore. We don't answer the phone. Um, it's relatively new, but we just have such a problem with, uh, you know, you can't guess when you're going to get a ton of phone calls. Yeah. You could be on the phone with someone, you're tied up 15 minutes, yeah. and then people are like, hello. Well, we got to the point where we basically need additional staff just to answer the phone. Yeah. And I thought, well, they're just calling to place orders or ask when we're open. Both of those things are available on our website. Yeah. So redirect. Yeah, it's a slight inconvenience for them, but overall we're able to give better service in here and be more focused and present with yeah. who's in the store with us. Mm -hmm. So I got that idea from uh, I got I have a friend, her name's Joy. She runs a, a cafe in Thousand Oaks, which is also she's like one of those people I'm like, You're doing so great, can I be your friend? Nice. And so now we are friends and that's a thrill. Nice. Um but yeah, so you know, looking at the phone, not like, oh no, we have to have more staff, but like, do we need a phone? You know? Kind of like when I was getting ready to move across the country, everything I put in my hand. Do I really need this? I think this? it kind of plays into like what you're going for. You guys have a very relaxed vibe here. Yeah. Um, it's high touch, but not necessarily like high end, like fine dining where you're like, no. you're like at <laughs> the, the guest mercy at any given moment. You know what I'm saying? Like as yeah. far as like, you know, like a five star, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Michigan yeah. restaurant. For sure. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Now someone's like, uh, I'm not sure I like this. We're like, Oh, well, what do you want? So are you using a system to like, um, like an answering system or anything to like, or is it just like a ring off? The um, hook? well it rings twice and then it goes to a voicemail of me being like, Hey, we don't have a phone, <laughs> but are you being transparent? Which I think is yeah. a really important thing. Yeah, too. Well, I make sure I explain yeah. why, yeah. like, here's why we don't have a phone. Here's the info you need. If you can't figure it out, email me. If I didn't just answer your question. Yeah. Email. Me. Yeah. I yeah. like that. So there, it's not like you just like, fuck it. No, 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 no. I still want to be able to get in touch yeah. with people, but usually they just want to get in touch with me about something not food related anyway. Yeah. It's like, you know, do you rent the space out? You know, they can't help them with that anyway. So basically you're saying be flexible. Don't try to square fit square pegs into round circles yeah. or round holes or yeah. whatever. If, it does, if it's not working, you know, pivot. Adapt. Yeah. If you got a menu item that sucks, stop trying to promote it. Yeah. Just get rid of it. Replace it with something now, else. Now, you said um, be flexible and be, what was the other thing? I used a certain word. It was along the lines of it was something dark. Wasn't like it? embrace like the pain or something. Oh, like the, that. Suffering. the suffering. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be some level of suffering being an entrepreneur. Um, definitely there's down days. I think most restaurant owners would describe owning a restaurant as like just a constant series of extreme highs and extreme yeah. lows. I, I'm so happy you're saying this because I think there's this false perception out there that a lot of like consultants and gurus and experts are like, you know, work, get out of your business. No. Work, you know, work it's on harder. it, not in it. This um, is much harder And then go than sit at the job. beach, you know, and it'll run itself. Yeah, I hope totally. I never see a day where everybody's <laughs> sitting at the beach and having like slaves work their restaurant. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you should want to be in your restaurant and there's going to be pain. But I think that that pain is like embrace it you know like this is you chose this yeah you want this like you can choose to be pissed off and grumpy about the pain or you can be grateful that you get to feel pain you know what i mean like and, and like it's part of the story do you, like how do you deal with like the, the the rough stuff uh how do i deal with the rough stuff um i just focus on like tasks so you know something goes wrong 
it's very easy to just be like, oh, can I curse on here? I already did a few times. <laughs> well, fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, like, how am I going to fix this? And, and and I give my moment to sort of spiral. And then I go, okay, what's the first step that a smart person would do? Yeah. And I just pretend I'm a smart person. Yeah. I think it's also <laughs> like to, to keep in mind that you have control over your emotions. And yeah. like, we are a very evolved species that mm-hmm. we're, we're not reactive. Like, you know, uh, uh, deer being chased by a hyena like yeah we can turn around but no leave me alone buzz off like and that's your emotion right like tell the emotion to cut the shit and yeah. be like i'm gonna override this and choose to be happy in this moment and we have that privilege as homo sapien you know like yeah. lean into it like yeah. leverage it uh anything else you want to drop on us before we go to the speed round nah Okay, one more question I've been asking all my guests. The mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Okay. How have you transformed? Who is Crimsy today versus the Crimsy oh uh, five years ago when you set out to Alasa? Or was it? Yeah, it was five years ago you came here, right? Yeah. Who are you today versus that woman then? That's deep. Let me think about that. That's all, that's, that's all I do is deep questions. <laughs> I think that I'm much better at being authentic these days. Um, because this place has kind of forced me to be authentic. Like, what do I like? What do I want this place to feel like? And going after that and not saying like, but Sweet Greens does it this way and it's really great. And they're, you know, they look like this. Um, this whole process has just made me go inward a little more and accept that what I like might be cool, actually. Yeah. I feel like auth- like authenticity is a catchphrase. Yeah, today. yeah. What does it mean to be authentic? And what are the benefits of being authentic? Not just saying you're authentic, but like when, when you're truly authentically authentic that's so cheesy yeah uh, what what does that feel like and how does that serve you when you're truly authentic um i don't really think it's something you can put words on i think that people just know yeah. i think like i know almost immediately when i meet someone if they can hear me or not yeah i think it's important that when you show up to a, a brand that is an extension of who you are yeah you can show up as who you are you yeah. don't have to show up into this thing that you, this concept that you created, right? It's literally an extension of you and it makes showing up that much easier. And like, I think that's yeah. what authenticity is. It just takes us like, when you're so transparent, you don't, like all of your scars are just out there for the world to mm-hmm. see. You have nothing to hide. Yeah. And th- to, 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 to like rent yourself from that anxiety is just so freeing, so rewarding. I mean, that's when I think of like the yeah. value of authenticity, right? Yeah. And not having to feel like you need to be cool. Right. Because not being cool is usually pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This has been a great chat. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're going to take one more quick break to thank okay. our sponsors and we're going to bust out a true speed round. Let's get real. Grease is a fact of life in any commercial kitchen, but with the grease fighting power of Dom Professional Manual Pot and Pan from P&G Professional, you'll clean more dishes in every sink compared to leading private label. Dom Professional has the power you need to fight tough grease and get those squeaky clean dishes you're looking for. With long lasting suds that clean up to 58% more dishes per sink and reduce sink changeovers by 35%, saving you up to 6,000 gallons of hot water per year versus private label, it's no wonder Don Professional is the number one dish detergent in the U.S. P&G Professional's complete restaurant cleaning program includes products, equipment, and 24-7 service to deliver a noticeable clean that will keep your patrons coming back time and time again. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease-fighting power of Don Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don Professional. Now go get it. 
If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions no more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5k. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. I think just being completely myself and letting that translate into what comes out in the business. Yes. What is your biggest weakness? That I tell myself I suck too much. Mm. You know, I think it, that it can be a weakness, but at the same time, I think it's what keeps us. It's a driver. Yeah, because uh, it's never suck good less. enough, yeah, right? Exactly. And people are always congratulating me on my success. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, I am nowhere near where I want to be. Like, I feel like a failure every day. Same. Maybe it's a bad thing, but at the same time, I think you can learn to appreciate it too because it keeps you dry. It keeps you going, right? I think most, well, I don't know. I don't know what most entrepreneurs do, but it feels like a lot of us tell ourselves we suck too much and it like makes us not want to suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what is one thing you do to, or one question you ask when you're building your team, a question you ask to find that right person to make their, make sure they're a right fit for your, your, your business? Yeah. I always try to probe and find out if they're engaged and connected. Mm. How do you do that? By, usually by casual conversation, mm -hmm. you know, do they hear me when I talk? Do they say um, things that are important to them? Do they open up? I like it. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge today? Focusing on one thing at a time, uh, especially now with the second restaurant. It's, uh, it's, it can be hard to just focus and sit down and do one thing for 30 minutes. So how are you adapting to that? What, what tools in processes and habits have you developed to gain more focus? I am a schedule freak. So I schedule my day out into sometimes 15 minute blocks. Just like, here's what I need to be doing for 30 minutes on Thursday at 2 PM. Mm. Uh, it helps me keep me focused. And if something else pops up, I have to decide if I'm going to take something off my schedule and put that there, or if I'm just going to move this new thing to Friday. So it's a combination of blocking time blocking yes. and using like the urgency approach of like, exactly. okay, like, is this more urgent and important? Yeah. Um, this is a quadrant. It's like it's like important and urgent, important, not urgent, mm -hmm. uh, not important, not urgent, important, not urgent or something. Exactly. Like yeah. It's hard because sometimes I want to do things that aren't urgent, but they're fun. <laughs> so I try to leave some time Well, that's that. important though. Yeah. Because you need that mental. It's not burnout. Yeah. You need that, like that cookie, that mental cookie, right? Exactly. To, yeah. Um, I'm going to make sure I mention uh, Indistractable, Nir Eyal's book, because he was recently on the show. Indistractable? I'll, Indistractable, which is a great book. I'll link to his episode in, in the show notes as well under, under this question. Uh, so what is your biggest... Wait, I think I already asked this question. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. Uh, this is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. 
Yeah, core value is be transparent and connected. Nice. Uh, how do you te- how do you teach somebody to be <laughs> transparent? Uh, by example, just you know, when I screw something up, I often send Owned a message it. a message a massage. <laughs> send everyone a massage. Um, no, I send a message out to the whole team where I'm like, "Oops, I did this thing. Like, sorry. Here's how we're working to fix it." And that yeah. sort of sets the tone of like, "Oh, well, she makes mistakes, so yeah. I will too, and it's okay." I love that. Uh, what is one uncommon? standard of service you teach your your team. So this is something that's common within the four walls of your business, but yeah. not common throughout the industry to go above and beyond. Yeah. I like to have them be playful mm. just like with what they're doing, find joy and like playing with what they're doing and, yeah. and connecting with guests and just having a good time. What's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Ooh, well, this one's more about being a better person. Um, I read Recovery by Russell Brand. Which sometimes I say Russell Brand and people are like, what? But seriously, um, his book, uh, it helped me identify where I was putting my anxiety into like these weird habits. Um, and I think that we all have these weird habits that we do when we don't know how to handle something. So what were you doing? Give me an example. Well, the, the dark example is like drinking too much. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah we, we're going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually, I don't drink anymore. But I haven't. I've been sober for about a year and a half Wow! Uh, to really change my life. And I, this book, when I read it, it, the way he put things for me was enough for me to be like, oh, crap, I'm doing this. I'm not familiar with his work, I'll be honest. What's, yeah. Why would people sh- like sh- cringe at his name? Um, because he, he used to be like in movies, like kind of like a college humor sort oh, of, okay. you know, just like words were used to describe him that... Um, <laughs> this is an R-rated podcast. This is an R-rated podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, he just, back in the day, you know, he was also, like, um, sort of known for being a druggie that oh, okay. would do stupid things and pass out in the street. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So, um, that's great. Thank you for yeah. being real with us. I appreciate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. It's serving you well. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. I wonder if that's on audio. Do you know if that's oh, on yeah. audio? Mm-hmm. So head over to um, audibletrial.com slash unstoppable if you want to listen to that book. And that's a huge issue in this industry is substance abuse. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of curious. Being in LA, do you, are you completely sober or you yeah. do, do you just take off? Yeah, no, I know. I think everybody's different. For, for me, I have a hard time with knowing when to stop. Yeah. So actually, I haven't had coffee since august either because okay. i was one of those i just anything i get i want more of it i was talking about marijuana i was curious <laughs> oh. if you, so, if <laughs> no, you no no no. i use here. marijuana do you okay. yeah but not uh, it kind of depends i go through phases okay. um but here it's pretty normal i think see, that it sorry, can be abused i'm see this is a, something that i want to explore yeah i mean now i'm opening up because like <laughs> on my my last road trip i like it, like I was alone a lot, right? Yeah. And I was like, is there a right amount of marijuana to smoke? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, what is that amount? And I was like, exper- a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what is a little bit though? Like a little bit for me might not be a little bit for somebody else. You know I what I'm think, saying? Um, I smoked way too much weed for a long time before I realized I was smoking too much. Um, How do you, like, when did you know? What the, is too much? Well, because I would watch, um, I would watch other people do it. And they would just take like one tiny hit, and I'm like, okay. oh, like, did you even get anything? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm like, okay. But see, <laughs> I, you know, I come from a world where I'm like, I'm gonna take the biggest hit anyone's ever seen. I kind of like- <laughs> do too. Like, my friends, it's- God bless them. I'm not really even a religious person. I don't know why I said that, but like, bless their souls, you know, yeah. like, are the hugest owners. Yeah. And I love them to death, and I'm not necessarily speaking poorly about them, but like, like, getting stoned was like literally passing a, like a, like a massive uh what's the word not even a joint what's the 
not even well yeah those definitely got passed around but um like a like a blunt you know what i mean like you'd we would like three of us would smoke a blunt and like, yeah. that's a lot of weed it's it, yeah it depends on what you're going for yeah like if you want to space out that's cool but, so i think um, there's like that's one thing because it was such like a, a forbidden thing right for yeah. a, a long time especially for our generation coming up we we're yeah. like the generation of dare you know what i mean yeah like, i didn't don't do it i didn't have it until i moved here i was like 28 or something before i think I'd these smoke weed. i think these conversations are important though because you need to have an idea of like using and abusing right yeah. and like what's good what's bad like there's a lot of benefits to the drug um mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of cons if you overuse so yeah. i would be willing to explore that conversation this is supposed to be a speed round but that's important that <laughs> that's I'm a whole other podcast up, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah okay so the next question i have for you is what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough wait did i just ask you this i'm like no no, no. okay well, well enough or often enough uh that's I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with training. It's just telling your team exactly what you want. Mm. Show them exactly how you want it to be done. Don't floof around. If they do it wrong, tell them why it's wrong. Okay. Uh, what is one thing that you, or one person that you've outsourced or service you've outsourced to make your business better? So like an expert mm. and a specialist. David Scott Peters. Nice. Yeah. It's And this is not a paid advertisement. No. I work with him on like food and labor cost tracking controls. And he has like a really great... Um, portfolio of, of tools to help with that that work for everybody beautiful and um was it is there one course that you're taking or one program that you're going through um actually i'm working with him on something that he's doing it's a little bit new it's like kind of a it's not one-on-one -on -one coaching it's it's like group coaching nice. which is cool because you get a community of fellow yeah. restaurant owners while yeah. you also have access what's to that David. look like how many people are in the group um well i'm I'm sort of separate, so I'm like false selling it here. But I think there's like six people, he said, in his other so trial. So it's basically a mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. I I also do this. Um, I'm not trying to steal the thunder from David, but <laughs> I also do this. We both do it. He's a great guy. Yeah. I'm sure he'd say the same thing about me. So if you guys are looking for a community to join, like support groups are really huge. Just huge. have somebody to talk to to get your shit out and to get, to, get access to multiple minds. Maybe somebody went through that same problem a month ago. More than ago. likely. Yeah. yeah. And maybe you have something that they're struggling with now. It's a very great way to compound off of each other's experience and knowledge and, and minds. And energy is another thing too. Um, what is one piece of technology you've adopted within the four walls of your business and how is it serving you? Uh, I think when we, whenever we started switching things to like cloud-based, um, like Google Docs, Google Sheets, uh, all of a sudden it was so much easier to stay up to date with each other. You know, I change the spreadsheet, it's immediately available to everyone else. Mm. That's huge. I think it's a great tool that we all have access to. It's free. free at first. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you get so many people into the system, it starts getting a little more expensive. Yeah. But it's not much. It's like $3 a month, four, yeah. maybe $10 a month when you get, become an enterprise. Mm -hmm. It's totally worth it. Just uh, skip a couple bananas. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is the last question, and it's a doozy. Get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those pieces of wisdom be? Yes. Uh, first, everyone go get a therapist. Mm. Really. Even all you people that are scared of therapists. It's not bad or evil. It's, uh, it's changed my life. Um, second would be really listen to people when they talk. Just be present. Um, put the freaking phone away my right? god <laughs> oh my good lord thank you <laughs> and then lastly um this one's simple but for me is really important go outside more mm, yeah awesome. it's, going outside solves a lot of my problems I have enjoyed this conversation so much, Crimsy. We wrap yeah. up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's somebody you respect and admire and would tune in to listen to them as a guest in the show? Call them out. Okay. So for sure, Kat Cole. Uh, she, I think she's currently the president of Focus Foods, but she has a really interesting story. And she, I, 
I follow like everything she does. I'm dying to see her in person. Nice. Yeah. Cat Cole, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And how can we connect with you? I know you're opening your second location yeah. uh, in Lakeview or Lake Silver Lake. Silver Lake. Something yeah. in the lake. Um, when is that still to open? Uh, we're looking it's, at the summer. It. I know. I hate <laughs> saying the summer because then it's definitely going to be the fall. Yeah. But we'll I'm say saying summer. Before the end of 2020. That's great. Yeah. We're opening 2020. <laughs> um, and if you, if, 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 uh, we resonated with you today. If Crimson resonated with you today, uh, what's the best way to connect to come maybe join your team? Instagram. Okay. And yeah. Or crimsies.com. Yeah. So the handle is at crimsies, K-R-I-M-S-E-Y-S. And I'm not sure about the episode number of this show, but if you stick around to the end, I'll be sure to share the, the numbers. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash whatever episode number this is. I'm sh- I'll be sure to link to any tools, services, or resources recommended in the show and how to connect with Crimsy. Thank you so much, Crimsy. Thank you. T- no, my pleasure for taking the time to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Hell yeah. <laughs> Cheers. All right, there you go. Crimsy Ramsey, it was a uh, just a pleasure making an example of you. And I love your approach of starting where you can, getting as minimalist as possible. And a lot of you guys have lost it all during the wake of the coronavirus. Uh, and who knows what, what the, the picture will look like a few months from now. But what I can guarantee you is that you can get to work on your future restaurant now. And that starts by just looking at where you were when like you had to put a pause on everything. Like, what what did your restaurant look like? What did you know that you could have done better? Get to work on making those things better now. Work that into your, your systems now. Um, and who knows if you'll be able to come back 100%, but you will be able to start where you can. I promise you that. And um, just stay positive. Uh, Show up every day uh, and just try to be a better version of yourself, a more holistic version of yourself than you were the day before. And there's some great tools that were mentioned in today's conversation, like David Scott Peters, like RestaurantOwner.com, friends of Restaurant Unstoppable. And we didn't get together before this and talk about the different things to share. Like these tools work. Uh, Crimsy used them, and that's one of the reasons why she was as successful as quickly as she was. She has her shit together, Um, and it was the people that she put in her corner that helped her get there. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's probably the best place to start right now. Honestly, um, going to those resources like David Scott Peters and uh, um, RestaurantOwner.com. I know RestaurantOwner.com right now. If you email Jim at RestaurantOwner.com or Joe at RestaurantOwner.com uh, and let them know that you discovered a RestaurantOwner.com through Restaurant Unstoppable, you'll get 90 days free. And this is something that they're doing right now to help the industry rebuild. So um, get to work on your business now. It's never too late. Uh, it's never too early to get started. And um, just want to thank everybody out there for uh, the support I've been getting uh, cranking out these episodes over the past couple of weeks to stay on top of the coronavirus. Uh, I think this is the first episode you'll hear um, in the, the new week. So I want to let you guys know that going forward, I'm going to be, I think, slowing down a little bit with the Corona Chronicles, uh, still doing more than my usual content. Uh, but I'm going to start getting much more intentional and start being much more focused on that content. So we can, I think the, the, the period of reacting is over and now we need to start being proactive. Now we need to start saying, what does the future look like and how can we, uh, how can we influence that? All right. With that said, thanks for sticking around this long until next time. Peace out.